seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 9-2 of Color of Magic, your magic and gaming podcast where we talk about all types of tough issues around gaming, involving gaming, some stuff at our tables and computers, and some of it away. I am your host, Daquan Watson, and going along on this ride with me for 92 episodes is my man, Brian Allen. How is it going today, dude? Doing well. So 92 is actually the year I graduated from high school. So, yeah. Oh, so you got out a couple of years before I did. I was right behind you. Yes, I'm old. Yes. <laughs> Though, I will tell you, for, for this week, I have the perfect person jersey number for this. Okay. Because of the stuff and the topics we're covering this week, I'm going to throw out Albert Hainsworth. Okay. Yeah. And just, anybody just, who just... knows football in the NFL, American football, for those of you listening from Europe and elsewhere, Albert Hainsworth is pretty much known for going off one day in a football game and somebody's helmet came off and he stomped on their head with his game cleats, which are extremely sharp, left the dude bloody, uh, got a hefty suspension for that. As and he which earned is, it. Yeah, which is sad because the dude is actually a decent athlete. Like, dude, yeah, dude was a good football player. You step player. on somebody's face. That's all, yeah. you, that's all you're remembered for. And, and then tried to have a whole... Yeah, I tried to have a whole press card that was, I'm not a dirty player. No, I mean, you can go back and watch the footage. It's probably still on YouTube. I mean, he looks down at the dude and then for real quick stomps the dude in the face. Like, it wasn't like he was walking and the guy was on the bottom of the pile or nothing like that. Like, I mean. Just like Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's a dead, dead ball. Everybody's getting up and he just stomps a dude. I mean. So that's sort of what this week felt like with some of the news we got to cover. So I figured yeah. that's appropriate. Not not for being the best Hall of Fame stats, but just being memorable for that type of thing. Uh, before we get into it, though, we do have three new patrons. We got to show some love to. So we have somebody that goes by just Ceaseless Rose, which actually stops by my stream. So I want to say thank you to them. Uh, Demetrius and Jeff, I believe Novak is our, our three new patrons. So I want to say thank you to y'all. Y'all should be, by the time you listen to this, possibly even getting your postcards in the mail. So that's cool. And then we do have a sponsor we're going to tell everybody about that we do every week, Cardsphere.com. Those people over there are awesome. They support our stuff. They retweet all of our things. They're a great place to buy and sell things. Matter of fact, you know what? This past week, with Hole Breacher getting banned, they even just put a stop so nobody could even deal in Hole Breacher. So you didn't have to worry about it for 24 hours. So, like, maybe you didn't get to your account fast enough and you didn't want somebody to try to ship you some Hole Breachers or something because they were previously on your buy list. You didn't even have to worry about it. They sent you an email and said, hey, you know, trading suspended temporarily. You get a chance to go update your stuff or whatever. It's, like, super awesome. The fact that they even look out for customers like that is great. And they support lots of different content creators. And they're just all around cool folks. So go over and show them some love over at Cardsphere. And then finally, if you want to help support the show, we got to tell you, we have some cool stuff over at colorofmtg.com slash shop. If you want to get some tokens, especially with us starting to get out and game some more, you might want some cool different tokens that happen to look like me and Brian, you know, just saying. Or get some play mats so you can protect your cards on some of those 
maybe depending on where you're playing, some filthy surfaces. I don't know. You you've seen some places I've seen. They're not yeah. they're not all pretty. <laughs> and I'm reaching out to some artists. We're gonna see if maybe we can get some made. Uh, don't know if we'll get some in time for D and D. That would make sense. But as soon as we start seeing previews for Innistrad, we might make some cool ones for that. Now, with that business out of the way, oh boy, y'all just strap yourselves in because we're just going to have a lot of things this week. Uh, there's there's quite a few things to cover. And you know what? We might have to have this rabble crowd the whole show. It feels like. But for starters, this came up in one of my Facebook groups where people were talking about different protective gear and sleeves and looking for unique card backs and this, that, and the other. And, you know, it makes sense. People starting to outfit themselves, you know, as we're getting back to gaming at stores and stuff. And then people were sharing some that have former President Trump in, like, the uh, military regalia, we'll call it. And I was like, that's really what you want to go with? He's getting reinstated in August. Yeah, according to him. But like, I, I'm just thinking, right? You hadn't seen other gamers, depending on where you live. You have, haven't gamed with somebody in damn near two years, possibly. For sure, a year and a half plus. And you're going to want to roll up to pre-release or something or whatever and just have those out? Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I, you know, I'm down with Obama and all. But I'll be damned if I put him on the back of my magic deck. Like, what is even the purpose? Like, why why even open that can of worms or create that conversation? Or, like, you're strictly just trolling. Like, there's no other reason to put those on your deck, right? Like, because what's, what's going to come of that? Like, you want to show support for Trump? Like, one, I mean, who gives a damn, really? We're playing Magic. But, two, is that really what you want to do? Like, you're out here trying to, I mean, for real, we got to admit, call it what it is. In a lot of cases, we're going to be reintegrating ourselves to society. And that's where you want to start your reset adventure. Right? You want to get off on that foot with people. Hell, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's a dog whistle. Maybe it's a calling card. Maybe it helps you identify other people. But I'm just saying. Somebody rolls up with those at my local spot. I'm probably not associating with you. Like, you know, when you're going to be like, hey, man, you got any cards for trade? Nope. <laughs> like, hey, man, you're going to the tournament Saturday? Can I ride with you? Nope. <laughs> like, for Ooh, real. Would they ask you for a ride to the tournament, though, if they're rocking the Trump sleeves? Dude, you'd be surprised how brazen some of them are. Hey, man, I hear you this have a Discord. Can I get the link? Nope. No, that's not true. I might put them in just so I could boot them. Not going to lie. There'd, there'd be a little satisfaction there. That's a little petty, though, but I might. <laughs> not going to lie. I might go a little petty on that one. But seriously, like, why? Why? I'd probably just make myself some Biden sleeves and, and show up next week. I don't know. I'm just it saying, like, why would you do that? Like, you, like you're talking about people that are finally going to be getting together, people wanting to go... After the event, go hang out at the local pizza spot or chicken joint or whatever and go have a meal. You know, like, 
if you, like, I'm just saying, if you even pull this move, assume that you're just going to get excluded from a lot of stuff. Now, I will admit, it's kind of like them, what would Bubba do stickers on the back of trucks? Like, I at least know who not to be around and who not to mess with. I was going to say, in Texas, I don't think that's going to get very many people excluded. Like maybe in Austin, you know, it would get you. Oh, in the, in the major cities, it would. I guarantee you there. I know for a fact there are game stores around Dallas. If you walked in like that, you'd be persona non grata. Hell, partly. I know one of them has a gay owner. So if you bust that out, you know, there would be a problem. Like, I don't I don't even know why that's a thing. And then it was it was I don't even if I call it disheartening because I kind of expect it. But it was just like one of those things where you saw people like, oh, those are neat and blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, y'all would be some of the people. Oh, and all the people who are in favor are exactly the people you think they would be. And I was like, all right, then is what it is. But yeah, so those are out there, though. There are actual Trump back sleeves that people are selling and distributing or whatever. So if those pop up somewhere, don't be surprised. But also, if you're going to use those, just understand how people are thinking about you and how negative your experience will be because you decide to use those. All right, Brian. I heard that there's some stuff over on ESPN that got you riled up a little bit today. Yeah, as, this may shock you, but Stephen A. Smith has had a trashy take, as you probably heard by now. He was uh, going on one of his rants and said that Shohei Otani, who is putting up just ridiculous numbers that I would say haven't been seen, but they've never been seen, basically. All-time great numbers. Yeah, it's like a video game character. This man is striking everybody out as a pitcher and then going up to bat and leading the league, I think, still in home runs. It's amazing. Stephen A. Smith said, this guy can't be the face of baseball in this country because he needs an interpreter. Wait, what? Yeah, that don't make no kind of sense. <laughs> Excuse me. Like we've ever, like we've never had somebody, you know, that's a baseball star, that English isn't their first language. <laughs> Even baseball players themselves still reference the Steve Martin routine about how baseball has been very, very good to me. Sammy Sosa, back when he was black and in the home runs, <laughs> who was joking about that himself when he was leading the league in home runs. So, no, that's, that's never been a thing. There are plenty of baseball players, you know, that you as interpreters, or English may not be their first language, people still love them. People buy their jersey. People, you know, pay obscene amounts to have their their stuff autographed. And none of them have ever been leading the league in home runs and striking everybody out also. And the other thing crazy. too. Is that's happened in multiple American sports where we have had an international player that gets better at English the longer they are here. Right. You know, like they just, you know, because a lot of the, I don't, for people who don't know, a lot of the professional American sports, they scout talent from other countries and just sign them to big contracts here. You know, that's how we got our like Yao Ming's of the world yeah. you know, from China. And that was even worse because they had to do a whole deal with China or whatever, just allow him to even play here. Right. So like that was a whole thing. But, you know, you uh, Darvish several years ago was a big one for the Texas Rangers. Like that was another one that happened. Right. Like that happens regularly. So I don't even understand why that would be a thing for him to even say. And let's be honest, there's plenty of our favorite players who English is their first language. You catch that what the heck they're talking about. <laughs> We're just that's, perfectly that's, honest about it. That, that's really true. 
yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like now, don't get me wrong. I get that part of Stephen A. Smith's shtick is he has to say some stuff to fire people up. Like if right. you don't hear anything out of Stephen A. Smith for like three months, you know something's about to hit. Yeah, like it's, it's like clockwork. He, he is there to drive traffic to their website, and he's I'm probably playing right to his hands, even talking about it. But ESPN did, you know, sit him down, make him do an apology. So they clearly felt some heat. Oh, yeah. And, he he went a step too far, and they know. They knew. But I'll, I'll say this for Stephen A. Smith. As much as I don't necessarily agree with a lot of his takes, that dude has to be the hardest working guy in sports television. Oh, he's everywhere. I'll be damn dude's got like two radio shows, like four or five TV shows. He makes appearances on a bunch of other stuff. He cameos in like movies and things. I'm just like, he, yeah, he's, and he wants to do a late night talk show on. Well, you know, I mean, he's done every now. Obviously things like this are probably going to hurt the brand or But then, you know, I started to say it might not happen, but if Tucker Carlson has yeah. a talk show, still anything is possible. The one thing that helps him is he, as much as he, you know, likes to name drop or whatever, he really does know a lot of people. Yeah. In the sports world, that helps him out a lot. But that whole thing in Otani, I'm like, he's one of the most exciting things in baseball right now. And baseball doesn't yeah, have a lot of exciting have, things. People that have and and nothing like this. It's for for people, you know, that, that, that don't follow sports. This just does not happen. People that are good at pitching tend to not be very good at hitting advice. That's why in the American League, they're so, there's a designated hitter where it's literally their job to hit where the pitcher would hit because most pitchers can't hit the ball out of the infield. Yeah, people were trying to complain about Otani saying, well, he can't necessarily play every day if he's going to be a pitcher. You know, and they're like, hell, he's hitting the ball. You keep him in the lineup. He just right. won't Otani pitch said, watch four days. this. Yep. Let me show you how to play. Dude's getting it done, and he's efficient. So I'm like, you, you make him the face. Go for it. I say more power to him. He's earned right? it. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, this is this is just more, like, everybody's just got weird takes about baseball, though. This still comes back to that whole, you know, well, you were already up a bunch. You didn't need to swing and hit a home run or whatever that crap was. Yeah, with the that's all, year, all these unwritten rules that are just stupid. Yeah, just like, ugh, th- that's why. Either write them down or forget about them. It's why I told people, like, baseball can't be bigger than the number three sport in the U.S. Because of right. stuff like that. Now, granted, the pace is also very slow, and they're not doing much to speed it up, which doesn't help them. But when you have situations like these where your best athletes or your best players or your biggest moments get overshadowed by just, like, weird takes like this or, you know, people arguing unwritten rules and other crap, like, the average fan just goes, why? What are we even doing here? Are they still officially number three? I hadn't looked at the number three. <laughs> yes, they are number three. Okay. Uh, obviously behind NFL, NBA, then MLB. And, uh, then, uh, and then you've got like uh, hockey, soccer, you yeah. know, whatever, blow that. And soccer's growing every day. So. Yep. Yep. Soccer's like, like I'm going to be real. Soccer, y'all, like, if y'all ain't been to a soccer match, just go. Like, one, your tickets are going to be way cheaper than a lot of the other tickets you buy. So if you've ever bought an NFL ticket, NBA ticket, whatever, these are way cheaper. And those crowds are live. Like, and, and I'll say this. Absolutely. Like, when, the first time I went to a Seahawks game was during the playoffs four years ago when they played Detroit. I think it was like a wild card game. 
And the crowd, because people told me how loud the stadium is and all this, and I'm like, all right, cool. I'm going to be pumped to go check this out. Like, it wasn't even all that. I was super disappointed. But that same stadium where I went to watch a soccer match, which had probably half as many fans, those people were legit, active, loud. The whole like It was like nonstop for the first half, halftime hit. And then it was quiet. Everybody took a break, went to the bathroom, got concession. Literally, as soon as that ball was in play, it was like somebody flipped the switch and they were at it again. All that the way horn, to the, the end of the I want one of those things. Oh, the people were legit. There's people this like banging right. stuff. They're they're jumping up and down, cheering every and and I will say this: soccer fans are knowledgeable. Like they were educating me on things. Like, oh yeah, well this dude, you know, he's in the rotation because he's good for blah blah blah. And I'm like, oh crap, I didn't know that, right? Whereas, like, I'm pretty knowledgeable in football, so I hear a lot of, like, bandwagon fans that are just there that they don't know anything about it. But, like, that's not the case with soccer when I went. Like, everybody around me was, like, they, they were schooling me on some soccer stuff. I, I realized I knew nothing about soccer. I enjoyed watching it, and it was cool, and I knew a little bit. But, I mean, I, I walked away. In that, like, one match, I walked away probably doubling my soccer knowledge. Seriously. Like, it, it's cool. If you hadn't been, if you got a local soccer team, that's on MLS team. Go check it out. Like, it is worth it for sure. But, you know, we like to educate ourselves. And though this week has been crazy, there are still lots of things for us to learn. So, Brian, what did you learn last week? Okay. Uh, you've probably seen in the news about the, uh, the, the, the J&J COVID vaccine, how they apparently are putting a warning on it because it can cause a very rare nerve disorder called Guillain-Barre syndrome, or it's going to cause symptoms of that. And uh, as, I, as we mentioned uh, briefly on the podcast and on the Allen's Ever After YouTube channel, we, we vlogged our experience and my wife got those symptoms and we got the Pfizer vaccine. So apparently we can confirm it is not just the J&J vaccine that can cause those symptoms. We logged yeah. our experience thinking, you know, we wouldn't have an experience because for the most part we had seen people get it and other than their arm hurting, nothing happened. We were not expecting any of this. And I, I told the quote earlier when uh, when our doctor first said that she was experiencing temporary Gillian-Barre, first of all, I had to look up exactly what, Gillian Barre was. All I knew was what I'd heard from the guy from the Cowboys, Travis Frederick, having it. And just, uh, it basically it's kind of like an inflammation, and it's essentially your immune system is really hardcore attacking all your organs and things. And I, you know, we always hear about side effects of certain drugs include, but this is the first time I've ever actually physically seen those kind of side effects happen to anybody, and it was very scary. Yeah, you know, and it's one of those things that, especially when you don't know what it is yet, super scary. And it's usually, it's the type, of, that particular neurological issue is one of those things that people tend to recover from pretty quick. So I, I'm with you, like, you know, when I found out that, like, for Travis Frederick, because I'd heard about it before, but when I heard he had it, I was like, okay, well, cool. But his was one of the cases where it didn't just go away. Right. You know, so I was like, oh, it ended up leading to his retirement. Unfortunately, yeah. And that so that was weird for me. And I was the first time because, you know, I'd been around some medical stuff or whatever. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's usually a thing that passes in a few days or whatever. Or people overcome it. But for whatever reason, for him, 
I guess his body just didn't. So it's pretty crazy. Yeah, so there's there's the type, you know, that doesn't recur. And then there's a type that I guess just shows up constantly. And apparently, I guess he has the second one. And... Yeah. Now, from what I understand, it was it's a very small percentage that get it. It's something I think they said of like, you know, five per like, I mean, it was some big old number. Yeah. But, but like hundred thousand uh, or something. Uh, I, I think Sanjay Gupta said it's something like 10 in 1 million. So I, you know, yeah, I've always told really, my really wife really one in a million. <laughs> now we got proof. That's true. Your wife is now literally one in a million. That's pretty hilarious. And we yeah. even, it affected our decision on, you know, are we going to let the kids get the vaccine? Because obviously they share <laughs> her DNA. Yeah. Is, is so. it a hereditary thing, right? Like it could be. And we did because because numbers, you know, in the school district were not great. Almost every day we're, we're getting the message that, hey, somebody, a student has it. A teacher has it at the high school. A cafeteria worker got it. You talk about being extremely nervous. When someone in the cafeteria tests positive, you just think of all the nightmares. So we ended up going ahead and vaccinating our two sons. They're old enough to get it. Because also, since Tisha's doctor recommended she doesn't ever get the vaccine again for these obvious reasons. So we're all trying to it's a rally around, try to protect her. And those of us that can get the vaccine are going to get it because she won't be able to. Yeah, that's true. I guess she only gets to be 60%. Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like it, it's it's hard. it's hard, you know, see These are the decisions, you know, these are life and death decisions that we were having to make. That just, I, nobody planned for this. You really almost couldn't plan for anything like this. Oh, for sure. We, we were are. just talking about it yesterday that I think a lot of people I know are still just now realizing how impactful the pandemic was. And I think, you know, four or five years from now and 10 and 20 years from now, I think we're going to talk about a lot of things as pre, during and post COVID. I I think that's how we're going to refer to stuff. That's which I'm assuming, you know, previous generations did with like the world war one and stuff like that. You know, like it was pre-war and post-war. That's how you talk about stuff. I I think, and I'm not saying these are necessarily on the same level. I just think it's that type of, large community experience that affected so many people that it's going to be the relation point for a lot of folks. But yeah, I'm just glad she got through it. Okay. And it wasn't a permanent deal, you know, cause that could have been, could have been worse. Yeah. Definitely could have been worse. Uh, for myself, this is, this needs a little bit of backstory actually. So for those of you that don't know, there's a, I guess we call them a country folk band called Lady Antebellum. And they were pretty hot, uh, I guess about, I guess we'll call it five years ago or so, where they they were winning a few different awards here and there. And they're they're still known, and they still do well. Yeah, I mean, they still do very well on tour. Yeah, they, they, they had a big peak a few years back. And as we started having our public issues and discussions around racism, they kind of came to terms with like, hey, calling ourselves Antebellum isn't in the best move. You know, like there's there's some some negativity associated with that name in that period. We should probably change our name, which so far I'm like, yeah, good move. Right. Like you had the self-awareness that, hey, we don't want to be part of this. We get it. It's effed up. So they decided they were going to change their name to Lady A, which isn't bad. Makes sense. However, the problem was there was already a performer that went by the name of Lady A who'd been doing music for about 30 years already. Yeah. I believe she'd put out five albums, something like that. 
Now, admittedly, she's nowhere near as big. You know, she still has a second job. She's been putting out these albums and making some decent money. Not million dollar, you know, superstar international money, but she's been doing good for herself. She's getting close to retirement because she's like 60 something. And they went ahead and reached out to her and were like, hey, would you give up the name? And she's like, nah, I'd rather not because, you know, I've put 30 plus years into this. And, you know, this is what I'm known for. I'm going to be retiring soon. So, like, nah, I'm good. So they brought her in, I guess, and they had some type of meeting. And they tried to sell it on, like, hey, why don't we do this thing? We'll we'll work out something. We'll do a big cross promotion with you. We'll do a song with you. You know, we'll make it all buddy-buddy. We'll get you a bunch of attention. Lady A didn't want to do it. Which, to be fair, I kind of get Right? Yeah, like, I mean, you, she's you, been Lady A for 30 years. It just occurred to them. So yeah. I understand and, why it occurred to them. I applaud them for wanting to even change their name. Yeah. So then it becomes this whole, like, dirty mess from there. So Lady A says, fine. If you want to, you give me 10 mil. I'll keep five. I'll donate five to other, like, charities to help people of color and black people, like, do things in the music industry or whatever. Lady Annabellum's legal team and stuff are like, ah, 10 million is too much. We can't do that. So then two lawsuits got filed. One in Tennessee by Lady Annabellum. One in Seattle by Lady A. And Lady A's case is, I guess the claim there is that because they've changed their name to Lady A and started going by that, her stuff can now no longer be seen, searched for, whatever, easily anywhere across the internet without specific links. So all the work she's put in is being undone by them using effectively a trademarked name. Which, legit, right? I'm like, that's a real case. When you're talking about, like, damages and suing or whatever, like, that's a real thing. Like, your livelihood that you put 30 years into, 30 years yeah. plus into, is now being dismantled and you can't do anything about it because this juggernaut is coming in using, we'll call it now, for now, a new nickname that's keeping you from being seen and making money. Lady Annabellum's contention is that the name, I guess, wasn't trademarked in certain places or whatever, and they had already done it, so they should be able to have claim to it and work something out with Lady A. Granted, they're not trying to get any money from Lady A or anything like that. It's literally just about the name on their side. So it's a weird thing because timing becomes an issue in these cases because Lady Anna, this is very confusing. I have to state the right people in this explanation. Yeah. But Lady Annabellum's case is a problem now or potentially a problem because the thing they are trying to sue for needs to technically have been done after Lady A attempted to do something. So because they filed it early before there was the infraction issue, I guess, it could create some situation. But the problem is Lady A's case can't be heard until the case in Tennessee is resolved. However, that's going to happen because they have a bunch of overlap in evidence and issues. So they can't have the second case affect the first case, if that makes sense, right? If something were to happen in Lady A's trial or whatever and blah, 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 
it could affect the first case. And because of order of filing, they don't want to do that. So this thing's been going on for yeah. a couple of years and it's definitely not resolved yet. And my understanding is the first case won't even be because of the timing, won't even be able to come up until like early next year before they even get around to resolving this. And this is part of like the difficulty we had discussing it just now. That's part of the reason people file trademarks and lawsuits because it's confusing to talk about two different lady A's. Yeah, yeah. And and here's the effed up part about it to me. And this comes back to a lot of conversations we've had about people saying they support something or being performative or whatever. Kind of like, you know, where I got a little bit of hate, you know, last week or the week before, whatever it was, where I was saying like, hey, apologies don't matter that much to me. I want to see actions. And and it's stuff like this, which is why, right? It's like, oh, hey, we realize our name's kind of effed up. We're going to change our name, all that. Like, great. Hey, that's awesome. And then you're like, yeah, but we kind of want to take this livelihood away from a black woman. Like you, you literally are just doing the opposite of what you're trying to solve. Like you are literally a group of three middle-aged white folks trying to steal the livelihood of a black person by changing your name that references slavery. And they've, you know, they've changed your name. The Dixie Chicks changed your name to just the Chicks. And there's, I think there's a couple other cases that I can't think of off the top of my head. And then on the other vein, there's a group called Confederate Railroad, who people have asked them to change their name. And they're, because of what they, they see what happening up, they're like, no, that's how people know us as Confederate Railroad. They've always known us that way. And it would affect us in getting gigs if we just become the Railroad or whatever other name they pick. Yeah. It's it's wild, man. It's wild, but that's literally like I. At some point, I have to assume somebody in their PR team has to say, like, "Look, we don't want this case to be high profile because it just undoes the work we're trying to solve." Yeah, but then I know they probably don't want to pay, or probably can't even afford to pay ten million because while they're a popular group, you know, they ain't, you know, they're, they're not Carrie Underwood. Let's say and I don't think they probably even Carrie because they got necessarily 10 million laying around you like you resolve a lawsuit but yeah you just come up i don't get your pr team to come up with something else like i mean to be fair you probably shouldn't use the name to begin with but hey you did so now you were trying to fix it <laughs> and it, it was a it, it was definitely a time where lots of people had names that reference dixie oh yeah for real so especially if you sure, do country music or whatever yeah I'm so, sure yeah. you said probably somebody from their PR team said, hey, you know, this isn't taken. Why don't you try this? And then, you know, times obviously have changed. And anything with any confederate. Apparently, uh, Kenny Wayne Shepard has a replica of the Dukes of Hazard car. And we all grew up in that car. I think yeah. I had General Lee toys because we hadn't learned about the Civil War at that point yet. We didn't know anything about the Confederate flag stood for. Yeah. Now, later, you know, we've learned about it. Like, oh, you know, Horrified by aspects of my childhood, though I still watch an occasional Dukes of Hazard rerun because it reminds me of my childhood. Yeah, it's rough. I mean, it's just what was out there. And there, there's other than the fact that there are virtually no black people on the show, there's nothing that I would say is overly racist about the show. It's just it's almost like a live action cartoon, you know, yeah, like the Fast much. and the Furious is. It's just, it's not like they were out there, you know, or running, running over black folks or anything. It's just that 
Confederate flag. I think the bandit has a Confederate flag too. It's just that's yeah. what was because they were reflecting the culture that that they were representing. And yeah, everybody was driving. I'll say everybody. A lot of people back then were driving around with Confederate flags on their Trans Ams or Dodge Chargers or whatever. Yep, sad but true. So one of the things I wanted to point out to people is there's a really fun Dungeons and Dragons show on Twitch right now that has an all-black cast and has an amazing name. They are Dungeons and Do-Rags. I love it. Which is brilliant. Like, I'm actually sad I didn't think of that. Right? Like, there's sometimes you just see the most perfect thing and you're just like, that was right there in front of me the whole damn time. <laughs> like, and I just, I just didn't get there. Somebody else connected the dots. But uh, yeah, they had, I watched a big chunk of their second episode that was up uh, on Monday, Monday or Tuesday. I think it was Monday, actually. And it's just pretty fun and chill. You know, they have some low mood music playing in the background. Uh, one person's got a, the DM's really good, you know, really good narrator for the stuff. Uh, the, a couple of the players really get into character and enjoy it. Like it's just a good, solid, wholesome D and D experience, and it's fun too because one of the things I kind of processed from watching them was the characters they play and portray take on some characteristics and some lingo or some traits or whatever of the black people performing them. You know, which is something I hadn't processed before, which I guess I'd probably done in some of my D&D games when I've been DM, right? I just didn't even think about it. But I realized I've watched so many groups online that are predominantly white playing role-playing games. But then seeing a group that was predominantly black play, and, you know, like, and, and it even took a few seconds for some of the language or the lingo or whatever to even process that it was abnormal. You know what I mean? Because I'm just used to hearing people say it and talk about yeah. it. But then it was like, oh, yeah, I guess it is a little weird when you hear some slang used in terms of, like, purchasing armor or whatever it was. And it was like, oh, I wonder how that affects other people. But people seem to be into it, though. And I don't know if it's just people were into it because it was different. You know, people maybe getting exposed to parts of the culture that they wouldn't necessarily, but they're doing it in their, like, nerdy D&D setting, which is cool. But all around, positive experience. You know, and I think... Three of them, if I'm not mistaken, were pretty big name streamers already anyway. So I'm sure part of their audience also came over. But yeah, it was it was a cool thing. So I don't know. What do you, what do you think about that type of a thing? Like just trying to, I guess, expand the culture in, in role playing this way. Oh, I, this is a great thing. Like I, I love the name, you know, it, and I, I guess to some extent we all probably we were doing some kind of role play. You put aspects of yourself into your character probably the same way wrestlers do you know where they say the best wrestlers are the aspects of the character is basically just their own personality turned up a notch yeah i guess you're right that's that's probably the best way to look at it is like you're going to take some element of you whether that's your fear or your anxiety or whatever and build that up to be part of the character that you're trying to portray and just bring that out. And, and like I said, no, it was very cool. Cause you know, we've talked about it before where Twitch can have some, some racist issues, yeah. you know, but the mods were doing a really good job being on top of it. 
the chat was mostly pretty well behaved, which was cool. And they were responding appropriately to the stuff going on on screen. Shout so, yeah. out to people who have moderated Twitch streams for yeah, minorities no and marginalized communities because being a moderator is hard in general, but as with so many other things, it seems to be harder for minorities. Dude, and I'll tell you what, like, I remember years ago where I was like, why does this person have like 28 mods? Because I was just like, okay, they're just modding all their friends or whatever. Meh. But then I start realizing that, like, if you're one of those people that has a few thousand people per right. stream, like, you sometimes need 10 or 12 mods active during your stream. Or if it's a big event, you know, yeah. where you're going to have, where you, let's say, like a set release for Magic or something, or, or a new game release for, you know, a video game, you're going to get more traffic and especially certain games, such mm -hmm. as, you know, Call of Duty, League of Legends, are going to have. Even more of a toxic element, too. Yeah, I, I think you're right. You know, and it's it's one of those things, even on my level, and I'm not big, mind you. Like, for me, still a good stream is like 100 people or whatever. Like, even that. That puts you in the top, it's like the top 1% or 2%, though. Well, yeah. But, but even then, I still have, I think, like six or eight mods that are active and on any given stream, like, two or three of them are available. Like I imagine if I was a thousand viewers or 2000 viewers, I'd have to have like four or five X at least to keep up. One of my favorite stories from my own stream. I, at the time I was running without any kind of moderator and somebody came into my stream and, uh, you know, dropped the in bomb. My wife, who was, I think actually like working herself stopped <laughs> Went and looked up on the, on Google how to ban somebody on Twitch. <laughs> Jumped into my you know, creator dashboard and banned this person. Yeah, but that's how it is, you know. And that's the thing. Like, it's already one thing when you're having to mod for just stupid stuff, right? People insulting people, or you know, just already kind of just like annoying behavior. But then you add the layer of people just dropping in. And just wanting to just drop racial slurs or drop the N-bomb. Or, like I was saying, whatever. Talking about, like, Hitler and whatever. And it's just like, what? Like, yeah. You know, so just not having to take the time to deal with that. And having people there to assist and just getting rid of it as soon as it pops up. Or before it even is presented in some cases. You know, is huge. And that really oh. keeps your stream from getting derailed. How sad must their lives be where that's where they find joy and popping up in people's streams and being just the absolute biggest of jerks? You know, the sad thing for me, the more I thought about it, I said, it's not even that that's where their joy comes from that's sad. It's that you have nothing else to do. Right. Like your life is, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to look up everybody under the hashtag BLM. And I'm going to go drop an N-bomb in every one of their channels and link to a Hitler video. Right? Like, that, that's what you decided to do today. Like, you couldn't go work on your car. You couldn't go grocery shopping. You couldn't hang out with a friend. Go watch a football game. Yeah, like, you have nothing else you're passionate about. <laughs> you would rather go troll minorities. I, I don't, I'll, as long as I live, I don't guess I'll ever complete I mean, talk it. about waking up and choosing violence for real. Yeah. Like, I mean... <laughs> 
you like that's that's the part that's sad to me where i do genuinely have some compassion for those people because i'm thinking like for for whatever reason your life is so bad that this is the thing that sounds like a good idea to do today like nothing to better your life nothing to help your neighbors you couldn't go donate to a charity work at a homeless shelter a food kitchen go check on your neighbors do some yard work like a million different things any of us normal people could do but you decided you're just gonna go harass a hundred plus strangers and you don't even get the reaction because you're just getting booted out of channels and whatever instantly anyway like even in my channel like when that goes off I think once I gave somebody an actual reaction. Most of the time, though, it's just like, okay, cool. It just gets dealt with and nobody even says anything. So you're really just wasting people's time. And then possibly getting booted off your platform. So I don't even know what the point is. But worth checking out if you hadn't seen them. They are called Dungeon and Do-Rags. D-U-R-A-G-S for those of you that don't know how to spell it. Guess what? We had a new magic set release, at least on Arena. It doesn't release in paper for another week still, but it's actually kind of fun, man. I don't know if you played. Have you played with it at all? I have. I've got a, a dungeon deck that I'm running right now. They had to try the new mechanic, and it's not as terrible as I expected it to be. Yeah, like here's here's the sad thing, right? I think so many people were like. This is underpowered. It's not going to be any good. It's not going to be able to compete with whatever. The cards look boring, blah, 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 blah. But I think there was two issues here. One, like, we know we were in a high power standard to begin with. Two, I think we because we just come off of Modern Horizons 2, and honestly, damn near every card in that set looks absurd. Even the commons and the uncommons are really good. When you see something that's not that, literally like a week later or two weeks later, like it starts to look kind of worse than it is. Yeah, because Throne of Eldraine is still technically in standard with its <laughs> assortment yeah. of weapons of mass destruction. So after that cycles out, this will look much more... I know this is where the power level needs to be, where things are good, but not just, oh my lord, 10 of the top cards in standard come from the same set and you ban four of them. And then four more cards for that set replace the four cards you ban as, as the four of the top 10 cards in standard. But here's the thing, though, for me, is I don't think it's all that underpowered. I think what it is, is people got used to seeing like one card with the pile of text that does everything. And like, this is yeah. the card, right? Omnath. Yeah, whereas now it's like, Oh, well, this card's good if I put it in the context of this deck. Or this card's good if I yeah. use it with this other thing. Or, you know, like the bar, the, the class cards. People are like, ah, these are going to be so dumb and you got to level them up to get the abilities. And we're already seeing several of them show up in multiple decks. The rare ones all seem pretty good. Yeah. I mean, so it's just like, what do, actually, I don't know. I haven't seen the blue red one. Correct that. Uh, I can't remember which one that is. Maybe the bard class, I think, is the red blue one. But whatever, that one I haven't seen very much of. The others I've actually seen get play. And they've been good. You know, I built decks of all different, right? Right now, I don't have Arena open, but like, I think I'm already up to 40-some decks already for this season, building for Standard okay. and Standard 2022. Like, there's still a lot of things you can do with this set. 
Oh, and I've speak, gotten oh. to platinum level one with my dungeon deck, and that's you know around that's, that's close to where I <laughs> peak most of the time. Well, there you go. We also did ban a card, not in standard, but in standard 2022, which is for those of you who don't know, basically standard rotation happens in September when the next set comes out. You'll lose the previous four sets to move us back to a five set standard. Well, standard 2022 plays without the four sets that will be rotating. So you have four sets uh, that you're kind of messing around with. That's what new standard will look like plus the new set when it releases in September. Well, in this kind of, we'll call it a sub format. The Book of Exalted Deeds got banned, uh, mostly because of its interaction with Faceless Haven, or I guess any creature land for that matter. But you can put a counter on, well, one, whenever you gain three life for the turn, at the end of the turn, you get to make a 3-3 angel. But actually can't put it on any man land, because the second part of the ability is... You can put a counter on an angel that basically makes your creature a platinum angel where you can't lose the game, your opponent can't win the game. Well, when you activate Faceless Haven, Faceless Haven has all creature types. So you put the counter on the land, then at the end of the turn, you never activate it again, but you can't lose because that token exists or that counter exists on your land. Now, yes, there are things you could play. There's some land destruction cards in red and green, I think, if you count the uh, saga that destroys stuff. There, there's a few answers. Not a ton, but there's a few. And you can also get in weird situations where you have to keep mana up to kill the land in response to them trying to put the token on it or whatever. But if you ended up with two players that were doing that, technically the game didn't end. It's just each of you sitting there, you run out of cards, you can't lose the game. So you just end up in this weird, like, multiple hour ordeal, I assume, which should just be a draw at some point. But what I guess that would so? require reprogramming arena for a weird corner case situation. The other thing, too, though, is, and here's the one thing I want to throw out there for, like, the people that say, like, ah, well, you could deal with it and there's answers and people aren't wanting to play interaction or whatever. That's actually not it. I actually beat a couple of decks that were playing that over the last 24 hours, I guess, by the time people are listening to this. Probably 48 hours. But it was a very boring gameplay experience. Like, I was ahead. They didn't have much. Like, I literally can't do anything because I have to leave the mana up knowing that they can't activate and put the counter on the thing. They don't want to play anything because they don't want me to spend a card or whatever. So they're trying to create a situation where they're getting extra mana or finally get me to drop a removal on something bigger that comes along so they can leave that open. So, like, it was just a weird staring contest for multiple turns. Just, like, waiting, 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 waiting. <laughs> okay, cool. Now they're going to go for it. Now I get to kill land. Okay, now we get to play the rest of the game. Right? Like, And it was just like, eh, you don't want that in that format. Now, that being said, Standard 2022 is a best-of-one format, so that's already part of it. People are trying to just have fun and experiment with the format. You're not playing so many corner case cards or spe specific targeted cards. Different when you're playing best of three because you do get a sideboard to deal with that. So it's less of an issue there. But it also sounds like maybe there's going to be another answer come Innistrad. Or I guess, uh, what is it? Crimson Val, I guess. If that's the case, it could be something that removes a counter off of a thing. 
Because people are thinking, oh, there's going to be land destruction south. I said, not really. I said, there could be multiple things. You know, it could be things that maybe swap a land with an opponent. Like I said, it could be a thing that removes a counter. Who knows? Like, there could be a multiple things that matter. Or maybe it's like you have a creature that when it attacks and connects, you can sacrifice it to destroy a land. Like, there, there's a lot of ways it can go. And but, I want to say, people, I think, or I would say all people, a lot of people have been sleeping on Faceless Haven to begin with. I hate this is, you know, this horrible non-interactive thing is what brought it into Providence, but that's been one of my favorite cards since they printed it. Yeah, and I think that's the other thing, too. I think as we move forward, unless there's some really big change, you're probably going to see snow lands and snow mechanics still be important for the whole next year of Standard. But, you know, we'll see what the other sets bring. But, yeah, I'm not that upset. Now, I will say this. Petty part of me is like, Wizards, why didn't you just give wild cards? Like, if you're banning a card, I don't care if it's just for the silly, like, two-and-a-half-month format or whatever it is. Just give up the wild cards. Like, yeah, it's not going to cost you any. literally cost almost nothing, even if you do work out the math on a per-person basis. Like, just do it. Honestly, even if it did have a cost, the positive PR is worth whatever that cost is. And most people probably weren't going to need more than like two of them anyway. Especially on a card that you, you know, just just put out. Yeah. Just just <laughs> give it up. Pretend haven't even released in paper magic yet. Like who cares? Just give up the wild card. I don't care that we can play it again in 3 months or whatever in standard. Like just just do it. Like I don't know and you know, I'm not going to call somebody stupid for making that decision, but it is a definitely an ignorant decision because it's whatever you're taking into account. Like it to me, it's a cost reward thing, and the cost and opportunity is so small compared to the easy win you could get. Because really, it could have been, hey, we're going to go ahead and ban the card in standard 2022. We know it's inconvenient, but we're replacing your wild cards, and since they were mythic, you can go make something else, and it'd be awesome. And then you can play the card again in a couple months in standard. That would have been it. People have been like, yeah, it sucks, but hey, at least I got the wild cards back. I'll start working on my next deck, whatever. End of story. But now it's like, uh, well, I went and crafted these yesterday. Now it's banned. And like, now I'm out these mythics and I guess a couple of rares I spent to build this deck and blah, blah. And it's just like, eh, hard feelings you just don't need. You just don't. But I don't know. Overall, that aside... I do think Forgotten Realms has been pretty fun. There's a lot of good decks I'm seeing around, lots of creative stuff, people trying different things. And honestly, I've seen a lot of people just saying they enjoy magic where everything is interactive and all the cards do stuff. So I, the design team, I think, got it right. And you hit all the flavor of D&D. Hard to be upset about it. Uh, this next one, man. Um... Uh, Lego pistols? Like, why is this a thing? Why do we live in this it world? It seems like that should be a thing. Like, okay, well, how many times have we seen somebody get shot because their toy gun got mistaken for an actual gun? Yeah, I honestly, we... I still think a lot of that's BS, but they were using that as an excuse. But hey, since that's what we heard, we got to go with it. But I yeah. Thought... I thought we had come to the agreement, okay, you know what? We're not going to make toy guns. 
We're not going to make toy guns that look realistic. But Lego, well, I guess first. Well, no, this is the opposite. This takes a real gun and makes it look like Legos. Yeah, this is super dumb. I I don't understand. This this is doubling down on the concept. Like, this this is, okay, so for those of you who don't know, it's effectively a Lego mod kit for a Block 19, which, by the way, referred to cutely as the Block 19 kit. But effectively, you end up with a Glock 19 that has what looks to be a highly uncomfortable grip because, you know, Lego. Lego. (laughs) And then the top comes with mod parts so you can make a custom sight on your slider. Like, no clue why this exists. If you actually, you know, enjoy shooting your gun, as you said, this seems really uncomfortable and just pointless. Yeah, even the the creators and the manufacturers have said, well, this isn't something we ever even expect anybody to use. It's going to be a collectible item that's going to sit in people's safes, and it's just a thing for gun collectors, blah, 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 blah. But even then, that's even less of a reason to produce it. Like, what are we doing? Like, honestly, I would even say this is more dangerous because it makes a real gun look like a not real gun. You know what I mean? Like, this this lets you disguise a real gun. I don't understand the need for this to exist. Yeah, it wasn't even cheap. It was like $600. Yeah, and I guess that's their reason is that people are actually paying $600 for this. I was just like, man, so dumb. So dumb. So, yeah, we're, we're now at the point that we are now perverting Legos <laughs> to be actual weapons of destruction. This is where we are. Like, can't even have the simplest thing anymore. What's that David Bowie song, I'm Afraid of Americans? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, just a quick hit here. Arena Open, July 31st, standard format. Uh, look up the details online. You can go to magic.gg. It's up there under events. I hadn't had a standard one in a little bit, so this will be kind of fun. And technically, it's still a new standard format because it'll only be another two weeks from now. So it's actually not too bad. Because a lot of times when you get stuff at the end of the season, it's kind of like boring because you've already seen all the decks or whatever. But it's still going to be early enough with no other real big major events in the next two weeks that people are really talking about and paying attention to. You might, if you have something cool and interesting or whatever, maybe you can make a run in this thing. You know, so I, I actually, are you even thinking about playing this, Brian? Uh, I, I may, end up, I, I'm thinking about it. I don't know that I'm going to get a hold of the standard 2022 format in time to do this, but it seems interesting. Oh, I actually, was it standard 22? I think it's just regular standard. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. I thought. I'm not, well, yeah, check. I probably will end up playing if it's just regular. Yeah, standard. It's, it's regular standard. So you can okay. do either uh, regular best of one or regular best of three, like they normally do for their events. Yeah, then I probably will jump into this. And if you sign up, you get a uh, layer of the Hydra sleeves or a card back, which is pretty cool. So, yeah, it? lots of fun stuff for everybody. Same looks like same deal as before. Uh, get X number of wins, qualify for the day two. Each one of those levels comes with a different number of gems. And then if you make day two, uh, you get gems for every win. And then the winner gets two. Th- if you get seven wins, you get 2,000. If you get six wins, you get $1,000. So 
Uh, looks like you can still rebuy on day one if you want to get in after you you know you fail to qualify, and then uh, day two is just you qualify and you get your one run and that's it. So, yeah, seems neat, man. Seems neat. But go for it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And again, we get to play standard in the arena open, which we haven't done for a little bit. And then here's another thing, and I, this, this just crossed my mind a second ago, Brian, that we should probably mention it here on the show, is one of the popular topics in social media this past week has been, I guess, the, I won't call it mass, but the slow and steady exodus from World of Warcraft toward Final Fantasy. Yeah, Have you been Final seeing Fantasy, that discussion? Final Fantasy apparently ran out of... The digital version, which I didn't even know was a thing that could happen, that you could run out of digital copies of something, but apparently they did. How does that even work? I guess what it is. I'm oh, it's probably th- codes and stuff or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe it's just they have a, you know, there may be a certain number of ser- people that the server can hold, and maybe they're making sure they don't just instantly crash the server by having more people than they know it can hold. Maybe that's it too. But. Oh, that's I crazy. I didn't know. But, you know, that makes sense because they might have scaled everything down because people forget that Final Fantasy's online has been around for a while. So they may have scaled down the number of servers or whatever. But with the recent popularity, they may have to ramp back up. Yeah, because, I mean, as you said, the game's been out for a while. So it's kind of unusual for a game that has <laughs> that has been been out to just all of a sudden everybody shows up. <laughs> that That's not the way these games typically go. Usually what you get at, at launch is going to be your highest number. And then from there, it usually only slowly trickles down and maybe it steadies and says like a certain number, like, okay, this is how many people we expect on a daily basis. So this is, this is not the way these games generally work. Yeah. And the only thing I could, cause I was curious. The only thing I could find that really spoke to why is I guess they had a new expansion or something. The last two were interesting enough. And I guess took a bunch of player feedback or something and they were just, really good for people and as you said apparently it's also people are leaving warcraft and if you like you know mmos that is going to be the other most popular one out there yeah and you know i i think on some level for people it's also just different i don't even know if it has to be that much better i think it's just if you've played one game for hell what is wow 15 years old or something now 12 years old like it's been around forever right People were probably just going, oh, I've heard about this other one. I, and you had that thing where, you know, some streamers were upset with WoW and they started streaming other games. And then big audiences got exposed to Final Fantasy for the first time. And I think a bunch of people are at least dipping their toe in it to check it out. And you know what else I do? That like Blizzard can be bad about supporting streamers and online creators and stuff like that. They kind of have their idea of the way things are. And everything on their side is just like, Strictly metric, money-based, whatever, and they don't pay attention to a lot of the other stuff. So maybe this is, as they say, south in the country, the the chickens coming home to roost, so to speak. And yeah, it's not like there's you know fifteen of these games that have high popularity. These these two are, I guess, in terms of numbers, far and away from everybody else. So it oh, makes yeah. sense. A bunch of people are leaving. Wow, this is where they would show up. I mean, and I have heard good things about the the recent expansions for Final Fantasy. 
Yeah, there's a bunch of MMO stuff out there. I mean, you and you have a lot of different genre ones too, right? You've got like, what is it? Eve Online is still doing yeah. a thing. You know, hell, Second Life still has several hundred thousand users on any given day, which is amazing to me that that's even still true. But I guess it is. You know, so there, there's a lot out there. I think we don't, unless you're, it's it's weird. It, the The MMO market feels like if you're not just part of that culture, you don't hear anything about it. Yeah. Like there are still several games that are operational that I totally forgot about. And people are just like, oh yeah, I was playing that last week. And they're still, you know, my server still has like a thousand people or whatever. I'm like, what? Also <laughs> worth mentioning, you know, that when soon to be defunct Magic Legends was announced, it was first announced as an MMO. And then later, I don't know if somebody, you know, I don't know if there was an actual change in the format, but it ended up being an ARPG, and a lot of people were upset about that because those are two entirely different genres of game, really. So a lot of people got hyped for an MMO, and then once they found it wasn't that, they never picked it up. Yep. Well, you you know my opinion. Like, even if you're going to do an ARPG, I think it was fine, but they just tried too hard to shoehorn in things that didn't need to be, honestly. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I would know. love a Magic themed ARPG. They just they didn't nail it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting to bring up that uh, so many people seem to be upset with WoW right now, but super excited about Final Fantasy. So I don't know. And what's funny is I have played zero hours of Final Fantasy. I think I've watched people play for like two or three hours, and I've played all of like maybe three hours of WoW. So I don't know how I dodged those bullets, but <laughs> obviously both are super popular and have huge fan bases so it'll be interesting to see how this shakes down after another like six seven months and see where both games are well as i've learned even for those of us you know that are fortunate enough to be able to get money from playing games there is just a limit to how much time you have in the day and especially if you're trying to make content you want to be at least reasonably good enough to watch at these games you have to put in a certain number of hours on a game such as magic you yeah. know overwatch etc I'm sure that and then World of Warcraft just isn't even about necessarily being the best. It's just even to play it and and get any levels takes hours and hours and hours. Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not. It's wrong. not competitive, but it's it's still time consuming. Well, all right, let's uh, wrap things up at the dinner table, and uh, this week. This is this is a tough conversation, I think. And I don't know if we're going to be on the same side of everything or not, or our views are going to align here. But for those of you who don't know, and I have no problem saying names or whatever, because this was all very public. So, But there is a, I, I mean, a fair to call Aaron a content creator. Uh, goes by Aaron Campbell. You may have seen her online. Uh, does a show mostly known for being a co-host of the Magic Mike's podcast with uh, Evan Irwin and why am I not remembering the other guy's name? I don't know. There's another co-host there. But I guess this would have been Tuesday morning. Aaron yeah. makes a post about somebody, I don't know who, unknown person, apparently went scrounging through the internet and found some of Aaron's comments and Twitter posts and things from roughly 10 years ago, it looked like. 
and decided to share them and send them to, I guess, past and pleasant, present employers, it sounded like. And Aaron tried to get in front of it, make a public apology, and, you know, for the most part, own it and move on from it. However, because Magic Community is Magic Community, <laughs> or it's just a gamer community, really, for that matter, it did not end there. It got ramped up to 11, and it just well, became a thing all day. I mean, it's, I wouldn't say this is just gamer community. I think any place you have, well, I guess, if you want to, since you're describing it, you want to talk about the, the content of the tweets? Yeah, sure. They were, they were very... Trying to remember, like I'm trying to figure out the best way to describe it. I would say they were at least the ones that got highlighted the most were the tweets that were fetishizing black guys sexually. That I would, would say the, the ones that got the got the most attention. Yeah, I mean there were some others in there that were kind of like I don't know. There's an there was an N bomb in there. Yeah, I'm saying there's some others, but I think those are the ones that people were focusing on the majority of the day. And it's okay. Let me say this. Like the idea of being attracted to a certain characteristic or trait or whatever, that particularly doesn't bother me that much. And that's mostly like we grow, you know, there's are you into blondes, brunettes, or redheads, right? Like, do you do you find I don't know, Asian women or Middle Eastern men or Hispanic women or whatever, more attractive or whatever, right? Like, that's a thing that's that's been around and, like, whatever. The problem, though, was it was, like, consistent. Like, multiple posts over a small window of time. And also, like, the, the, the language, like... Oh, yeah. Uh, one, of, yeah. Well, one of them was where they referred to somebody as a beautiful carved piece of ebony like okay yeah that's where yeah that's a, that's a bit much this isn't saying that you you know that you're attracted to black men this is you're you're dehumanizing people when you say something like that. yeah that's that's a bit much like i'm cool if you're like hey you know for whatever reason you you grew up around a certain culture and you find people of that culture more attractive to you whatever, like cool no problem i get it i'm from south texas i i was around a bunch of hispanic folks like i i get it but I'm not going to walk around and be like, ooh, this mama walked in and that was like, you know, sexiest, whatever. I don't know. I was trying to think of some like weird. Yeah, you can't thing. even come up with I one. I was like, I didn't know where that was going. I was, I was trying. I was, I was about to say something about a jalapeno or something, but I got nothing. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You, you had nothing because it's yeah, not exactly. how you would address women. I, I was <laughs> the same thing. I was trying to think of the. I'm not one to, to say, but just as an example. And I yeah, would say I, was, that, I was trying to like relate. I got nothing though. So there you go. But not just that. There was stuff in there like, I think one of the quotes or one of the tweets was like, oh, I wanted to laugh because this really sexy black guy just got onto the train eating some chicken, but I didn't say anything yeah, or whatever. Right? Yeah. Like, like okay, I, I guess that. And, and, yeah. and she said she tried to make edgy jokes that that didn't land and look if you could probably go through my twitter history or just my performance as i'm sure people will after they hear this you're gonna hear a lot of jokes that didn't land some of them i'm sure will have some racial content but 
this is <laughs> that that's the risk you take, you know, when yeah. you practice edge of humor. And no, I talked about, no you know, she was probably in her 20s or whatever. And, you know, I said, hell, you, I'm sure I said something stupid in my 20s. Feel free to go find it. Like, but for me, that being said, know, though, I will totally own it, not give a damn. Like, I mean, I get it. Like, my thing, though, is, and again, this is me again saying, like, okay, cool, you did stuff, but have you grown past that? Have what actions are you making now? What are you doing? Like, because I've told, I think I've told the story here on the channel. Like, I met a person whose family was for real skinheads, you know, and I've seen that person change over time and whatever, even though there's a lot of questionable stuff in that person's history. So, like, it can be done, and I understand that. But at the same time, I don't know if it has changed or not. And also, I would say that, and I, I saw this yesterday, this was frustrating a lot of a lot of black magic Twitter, is how quickly Aaron was being forgiven. And say it's fine, you change where and, and we had to wonder, like, for example, Daquan, if you or I re referred to a white woman as some kind of, you know, beautiful piece of, of whatever, we wouldn't book a female guest on this show ever again. You know that and I know that. It'd be damn hard. <laughs> <laughs> Virtually, we, we, we would have to again it'd be, be somebody that we'd already talked to. And That's exactly what I say. It wouldn't be anybody new. I yeah, did somebody knew already knew would come talk to us. Yeah. And I would understand why they would. They would never feel comfortable around me again. That's what I feel like a lot of people are not understanding because people that they were involved in these exchanges are talking about how they don't feel safe in the space anymore because it's like Aaron is suffering no consequences for this right now. Now, and let me say this, like, I don't know Aaron personally. Like, I have not even worked on any projects that Aaron has also worked on. Other than just getting preview cards through Wizards, I don't even think we have a, like, six degrees of separation business connection kind of thing. So I have no interaction. With, I don't know her on any level. So I have nothing I can base any statements on other than what I've seen publicly. You know, I, and I want to say that just to be fair, because I do know a lot of people and a lot of content creators, whatever. I don't know Aaron at all. So... I'm literally just making statements based on what I saw, how they responded to things, and that's it. Like, I, I got nothing else. Now, the one thing I will say, and again, this comes back to, you know, people wanting different things out of apologies and stuff or whatever. And some of the, some of the discussion, and again, this is why I kind of get kind of like flippant about apologies, is seeing how everybody wants something different out of an apology. You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, we're arguing semantics over how somebody apologizes or whatever versus what they're actually doing to be better. But to me, part of, you know, being better is, okay, how do you own your mistakes? And for somebody sure. who in their content has explained how other people should apologize, this was really bad. That, that unfortunately, that's what I was coming back to. I said, but in this case, if you're going to call people out on their apologies, well, you got to get your own house in order. And I think that's where this bothered a lot of people that at least from what I saw, I saw two, I think two, one, the really big post. And I think I saw one other one, but there wasn't the framing of like, Hey, I know I said some things that were wrong or derogatory to the black community or to black men in general. And for that particular thing, it was like, you know, 
I screwed up. I said some things I shouldn't have. This was stuff from my past. This, you know, things that all, I picked picked up from people from racist yeah, to things. Me, I shouldn't it have said. like all the tropes of, of you know a bad apology, where like, oh, okay, I'm not that person anymore. Which I is, was so much younger. We're all a little bit racist. I mean, it was the, the checklist of everything to me that you don't say when you're apologizing. Yeah, and that that was the thing, right? You can't call other people on their apologies and then be the person that gives the halfway apology, right? And I think that's what a lot of people were calling out, or just saying like, hey, look, if you'd have just been like, you know what, in my 20s, I said some dumb things about black folks that I shouldn't have said. You know, I, I shouldn't have been all thirsty about black dudes or whatever and blah, blah. Like, yeah, totally wrong. And I deserve to have people mad about those tweets. You know, I'm fully aware that that was screwed up. I ain't like that. That ain't me anymore, whatever. But cool. I think that would have went over better. But I think the part that, be, and again, I think it's because those particular tweets were highlighted the most. Like, and the fact that those were never particularly referenced is what bothered a lot of people. And I get it, right? This is one of those things. It's kind of like we say some things on the show that if we weren't willing to back them up or stand up for them or whatever, then like we're going to get called to the mat for it, yeah. you know? And we've asked people to do that because, yeah. spoiler alert, neither of us is always right. Nope. <laughs> I, I've come on the show and apologize myself for things, even when I wasn't sure if I needed to apologize. <laughs> so, Within like, the past hour, I told you that, you know, I thought our brand new doctor was talking out of the side of their head. And then later, you know, CNN explained to me, no, doctor knew exactly what she was talking about. So yeah. I tried to, when somebody has proven me wrong, I tried to immediately try to go make that right. Yeah, you just got to own it, man. And I and I think that and the more I read it throughout the day, because like I said, I'm I'm not an apology person. I, it's cool that you do it and you're acknowledging we're trying to move forward, but I need some action. I think yeah. the problem in this case though was you were one of those people that are about apologies, and then you gave an incomplete apology. So it's like, eh, I get why people are mad about it. And I, and not just at Aaron, but at all the people that accepted this, pardon my French, half-assed apology. Yeah, for sure. Because when I guarantee you, you, you... Because you, you wonder why black people, gay people, people of any marginalized community don't feel safe inside the game. Stuff like this is why. Yeah, and you know, a lot of these same people giving the pass are the people who would tear down anybody else, you know, for messing up or doing something misogynistic or anybody else saying something racist or whatever. They would say we're playing the race card. Some of these people probably when we bring up when we bring up an issue because how many times have we talked about how let's say a car gets banned or needs to be banned that dominates the conversation for a month. Something, you know, horrible happens to a woman or, or to a black person or a gay person and crickets <laughs> from, you know, most of the magic community. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. Like, it would be nice to know that if I screwed up, the community would come and have my back and be like, nah, dude, you've done enough good things. I got it. But I feel like I've also built up some credit with the community. So, like, if I do slip up, sure, you'll know who I am and what I'm about and whatever. And I have a track record. But when you don't have that, you shouldn't get as easy of a free pass. And like I said, I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and just try to like bury Aaron because I don't know them. 
I don't know. I don't know her either. Yeah, I got nothing other than what I posted online. So I don't want this to be just like me trying to drag Aaron through the dirt. I'm just saying, based on what we saw, I get why what the reaction was what it was. And I'm trying to just be fair to all parties involved. They're like, what you said was pretty messed up. And I'm going to be perfectly honest. If your employment was anything other than gaming, you probably wouldn't still have a job right now. Yeah, depending on where you worked, that could be a hell of an issue. If if you worked at, let's just say, I, I don't know, an insurance company, you probably wouldn't still be in. Though, let's be real. We did just talk three episodes ago about a dude who took his thing out during a well, that, Zoom call that and got to keep his job. True. So, you know, maybe that's not the case. Yeah, <laughs> I, I guess I could probably say if, if you were black <laughs> yeah, and you so. weren't for CNN. Because I, I don't feel like if Don Lemon exposed himself, and maybe Don Lemon might because I think his ratings are high enough. But, yeah. Well, let's say somebody at, at Jeffrey Tubin's level who is a correspondent doesn't necessarily go out the field. Yeah, probably report, not. That they wouldn't still keep their job. I don't believe. Yeah, and it's tough. Because like I said, I, I am a believer that, hell, a lot changes for people in three to five years. You know, definitely much yeah. changes in 10 years. Hell, I've, I've told my wife before, like if she'd have met me, 10 years before we met, we probably wouldn't have gotten together. I was just driven differently. My mindset was different, you know, whatever. So I get it. But I also have this conversation about, yeah, I realized where I was screwed up in the past. And, you know, I've apologized to people. And I think, like we said, when you don't make the proper apology, when you are all about apologies in your branding, eh, you know, if you're going to call it, it's that whole, you know, can't throw stones in your glass house kind of thing. So I feel feel for them. You know, hopefully they get it all worked out. But yeah, I don't know, now, man. Like you said, we're, we're looking to see if actions match, you know, match words. And last I saw that Twitter thread, people are saying there are still more allegations to come. So this is a story. Yeah, that's what, now, see, that's the other part, right? As this plays out over the next couple of weeks, what else are you going to find out? Right. Are there going to be people like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I worked with Aaron at an event and this happened or blah, blah, blah. Or here's this other set of tweets that people didn't know about or these, I don't know, DMs I got or whatever it is. Then it becomes a real issue, because now if you start talking about stuff from the recent past, you'd be like, OK, now this is just a pattern. Yeah. Right. This isn't I was dumb in my 20s having a good time talking stupid drinking or whatever. Like this is OK. Now you're in your 30s still saying dumb things. Like that, but I don't know if that's true. Like I said, I, I got to be fair. Not going to speculate. Yeah, right. Yeah, right now these are just allegations. I do yep. clarify. I'll just let I have things no roll. Evidence of anything. But we'll we'll see. We'll see. But it was interesting to see the reaction of people, both for and against the situation. You know, taking her side or not. Like it, it's it's always interesting to just see it play out because it kind of puts different arguments into perspective, kind of helps you want to re-gauge things. You know, but when it comes back to, like, man, it wasn't even one day. There wasn't even, like, a full apology, and y'all were already back on board. Like, And if we've learned anything else over the past couple of years, it's that somebody can can do great things, positive things. They can be the, the best... The, the, the best content creator, the best comedian, the best football player in the world, and still turned out to be a horrible person in other aspects of their life. Shoot, I ain't gonna lie, man. I, I was 
upset when I found out Louis C.K. was was off his rails. Because yeah, I, I, I enjoy it. Like, as a comedian, I thought his stuff was brilliant. Oh, I absolutely th- think his stuff is brilliant. So, so then, and he does so much stuff, you know, talking about, like, I mean, one of his monologues is talking about how if somebody says that you made them, if that you hurt them, you don't get to say that you didn't. Yeah. And then to find out that while he's doing this monologue, he's whipping out his Jeffrey Tobin in front of people. And, forcing, I, and my mind was just... For real. And that's and I was just like, damn, because now I'm in a bad spot because I'm like, I definitely don't want to support somebody that's like that. But gosh, damn, if dude's not just like a damn good comedian. So I'm like, this that, that's another case of where he is back touring again and most clubs are booking. Him. Yeah, I can't say I'm surprised because there are very few names that just by the mention of their Though, name. I will the say this. He, he did have to lay low for like two years in there. And he lost his TV show. I don't think it show. was two years. Well, yeah, he lost his TV. So, don't get me wrong. He lost a lot of money. But he is back making a whole lot of money where, again, if you or I had that slip up, oh, sure. I don't know that we were again. Now, I also say this. like I don't know. I haven't heard anything out of him, really, hardly at all since then. So like, I don't know how he people feel around him or how his behavior has changed. Like, I got no idea. And I'm hearing the comedy clubs are lining up to book Bill Cosby. And I get it because a lot of people are going to just probably go just as almost like a train wreck effect. Man. People, people still go get OJ Simpson's autograph. You know, human beings are human beings and we do bizarre things. Man. <laughs> I don't know, dude. I don't think I could pay to go watch Cosby. Like, you I want, or like, I couldn't, but like, there I, I want to because part of me is like legendary status. I grew up watching this dude. You, you want to see Fat Albert, good. the Cosby Show, you know, like my that's kids my love jam. Fat Albert, and I don't even know how to feel about it. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. It, so, it was a great cartoon, the, the Cosby Show. You know, is but the part model. of me wants to, but I'm just like, man, I I don't think I could. I think like, and his even feels even worse to me because like you were just straight up drugging people and trying to have your way with them like I and like, also he was you know somebody that was talking down to other comedians saying yeah. this is how you should behave you're to right find out he's a rapist you're right like it's what I'm saying like so I, that's hard man I don't think I could I think like I that's one I would feel bad that you know let's say he was performing near me or whatever and I was free to go and could get a ticket I would feel bad not seeing one of the greats perform but I would still not want to support it. Yeah, because yeah, I don't think you even want to. I would feel bad about even supporting the club that made this decision. Because to me, there are other legends in comedy. You know. That you yeah, that's book. what I'm saying. Like that. That sucks. That's the Admittedly, part. Admittedly, there aren't. There's probably anybody else. There might be anybody on Cosby Show level, but there's other comedians that people would pay to see. You could have put Dave Chappelle that same night, and you wouldn't have to deal with any of this other stuff. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I could. I don't think like. I'm even thinking about it pretty hard right now. Like I, I think down inside, I would still like part of me would be like, ah, man, a legend, and I am able to afford it and go watch him, and I'm just not, you know. But the there was an episode of, me, of the Carmichael Show where they talked about, you know, could you still watch the Cosby Show? Could you go see Bill Cosby? Because that's that's a thing people are trying to figure out. But then watching the Cosby Show feels a little easier to me, but giving him like new money, 
You know what I mean? Actually, I don't think I mean. Debbie Allen said they have been trying to bring a different world back, but because his name is on it, there is no way to do it without giving him money. And of course, nobody at NBC wants to give that man any money right now. Yeah, for obvious reasons, passes or something probably. Even then, I think his estate would probably get it, and that's probably well, still problematic. His estate getting it, I think I feel less bad about. Like if if a family member gets it, I don't think that bothers me as much. Because like they didn't think, have anything to do with it, they. Well, you know. But again, you, you got to ask who knew what. Because I'm not trying. Well, I, I guess know. I say I'm not trying to, but no. I usually feel like a lot of times when I hear about this type of stuff, usually family members did not know. You know, Beverly Johnson said she called. You know, after he attempted to rape her, she called the house to confront him, and Camille answered the phone. It's like who gives. Who gives you the phone number that his wife has access to? Unless somebody that just real? has no fear of being caught. You ain't lying. Like, like whoa. <laughs> that, that's and, a bold move. And she said that's why it went no further in terms of her confronting him because she could not believe he was bold enough, first of all, to attempt to rape her. And second of all, give her a phone number that where his wife could answer the phone. Yeah, because you're thinking that's going to be a business number or his assistant yeah. or something or whatever. And it's just like, nope, it's just family on the other end. That's a bold-ass move. I ain't going to lie. Like, that's that's something. And but I've you know, heard uh, people on the the guy who played, I believe it was Denise's husband, said he felt like he knew that there was no way Bill was casting all those women on the couch. They do. Obviously, they probably might not have known about the drugs, but I think he was – at that point, kind of an open secret that Bill was having multiple affairs. Oh, sleeping around. Yeah, that wouldn't have surprised me. Like, if that came out, I'd have been like, yeah, it's wrong. But, I mean, rich people in Hollywood and whatever, like, you know. But, it, but that's consenting adults. Whether, whether you know, marriage and all that different. But, like, at least it's adults consenting to the activity. Well, no, but, I guess in this case, these were he was grooming women that he was going to slip a pill at some point. Well, yeah, that's the, see, and that's when it's no longer consent. Like that, that's where I have a problem. Like you, no matter, even if they were doing it to try to get a job or whatever, like once you start drugging people and taking advantage of them without their con consent, like I, that's, that's a whole other world, man. I, and that's what makes it hard to support the guy. Yeah. But you know, I get it when you also talk about, because this has come up for me a couple of times too, where you have all the JK Rowling stuff, right? Yeah. Like, do you support Harry Potter things anymore? Because you have people who literally Harry Potter was like the first hell for some of them, damn near the first 12 years of their life or whatever. Yeah. And now it's like, man, the stuff you grew up with, like the posters you had on your wall, like, hell, I've got like a Harry Potter T-shirt, you know, some other stuff. I'm like, dude, I don't even like feel great wearing that anymore. To, to me, sucks. I think you're also you're able to support. Let's say if you like one of the actors, I believe, OK, you're supporting them. Probably more so than you're supporting J.K. Rowling at this point, because okay, well, she doesn't need another dime, you know. Because like, there's even I think a Harry Potter stage plays now. Oh so, yeah. yeah, a struggling actor on you know off off Broadway. I have no problem, you know, paying the ticket to see them. Yeah, it's tough. I'm still trying to like figure out where my comfort level is. Yeah. Like, I do I want to travel to like Universal Studios and like go do the Harry Potter experience or whatever? Like, eh, maybe like I've already bought my my. T if you buy your ticket, it's like, OK, well, it's just kind of part of the experience. I guess I do it, you know, but like, you know, what I mean, like, I don't know where the line is, like where I feel comfortable giving money or not.
like supporting things actively that could send money back. Like, I almost feel like I want to look up the contracts yeah. <laughs> and be like, how much of my money would be supporting this person? You know, like it's crappy to be like that though, but I sort of, cause it's like, I sort of still like this thing, but I hate the crappy creator. And, and as I said, I have to think about, you know, okay, the actors that, that worked on this play yeah. or this movie or, you know, because Harry Potter is everywhere. It's books, it's movies, it's video. Oh, you said it's theme parks. You know, I know that especially as somebody that has been, you know, the kind of actor that works at theme parks and things. I know those kids are out there struggling. So, yeah. Well, I know. You know. See, and that's the bad part, right? Because I'm going like all these people in the chain have nothing to do with any of those statements or that behavior. But, like, am I further supporting and putting money in the pocket of the problematic creator? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't I don't know this answer. But, like, I also don't want to look at people and be like, oh, yeah, they're super fans of Harry Potter. And, you know, for some people, that was the thing that helped them learn to read. For some people, Absolutely. it was it was what pulled them out of their, their shell to be social and go to book clubs and, you it know. Reinvigorated libraries. Yeah. Bookstores. Like, so, know? it's like. I get it, but it's just like the other part is like, yeah, but uh, you it know. was a thing on it was it was one of the few things added to summer reading list that had been published in the past fifty years. Oh yeah, there were so many positive things. I mean, I remember helping one of my exes at the time. She was like one of the managers at uh, Hastings, and they literally like we did Harry Potter release parties, and people were making butterbeer, and people came with like their three kids, and they were all there to get their books on day one, and like. It was a whole to do. And people grew up having that memory, you know, of just like, oh, I got the book and we went home and read it and blah, blah. And like, and it's just like, oh, how can somebody, you know what I mean? Like after you built up this thing and all these people grew up with it and relate to it. And then like you become an awful human. And it's like, uh, what do you do, man? I don't know. Like, this, and this is something because we have access to celebrities and stuff regularly now because of social media and you know, 24 hour news cycles and all this stuff. These weren't really situations you had to deal with in the past. Yeah. There was so much you could not know about your favorite creators or actors or what have you. Yeah. Now that's not really a thing. So we have people at all. Oh, we see it even in video game stuff, right? Yeah. People talk about the heads of Bethesda and all this stuff. Regular, and it's just like, that's not stuff we used to know about. But now, it's yeah, like the guy that created Five Nights at Freddy's, apparently somebody outed that he donates money to Donald Trump, and there was an instant backlash. Yeah, like that's a thing, right? That's something you almost would have never heard of in the past, right? So like, there, there, we would have not known that, you know, twenty years ago, unless unless you happen to read probably all the gaming magazines. Yeah. So, like, I might have known, but the average person that plays it, but that with Twitter, with within seconds of that story getting published, the world knows. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like these situations get to be really weird where you're super fans of a thing and then you're like, oh, but the creator's really crappy. So now what do I do? Yeah. I mean, imagine yeah, being back somebody. To the, the, the topic that spawned all this, how much would we have known about Aaron if it just hadn't all unfolded on Twitter? Virtually yeah. nothing. And I, Everything and I, think... I learned yesterday, I didn't know who Aaron Campbell was before about 10 a.m. yesterday. Well, I, I knew of Aaron, but like I said, we just hadn't crossed paths at all. But my thing comes down to like, um, you know, kind of like you're talking about where there's people who have jobs that are connected to problematic people. Like, oh, honestly, think about in our shoes, right? Let's say you were doing content for Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah. 
you know, and you were one of the main people, or maybe you wrote strategy articles about it, and this, that, and the other, yeah, and then you find that out. My kids love that game, and, and the memes, and just the whole, there's a whole community about it. There's oh, people sure. that make music videos about They might not even necessarily play the game, but they make YouTube videos where they write songs about Five Nights at Freddy's. Oh, dude, it's I told whole, you. When I, the last time I did Big Brothers Big Sisters, one of, one of the kids I sponsored, he was nine years old, and he had a whole bunch of buddies that played Five right. Nights at Freddy's. And I was, I was shocked. <laughs> Kids go scare is easy. Yeah, I was like, did when we were their age. I was that's how I like I had heard about it, but I was like, okay, well, if he's into it, let me go research it a little bit so I, you know, I can relate. We have some conversations about it. And then after I got deep into it, I'm like, why the hell are nine-year-olds playing Five Nights at Freddy's? <laughs> like, that game is ridiculous. By the way, if you know what Five Nights at Freddy's is, it's basically different scenarios of being in buildings or warehouses or whatever. And you're trying to hide from these, like, think about Chuck E. Cheese animatronic things. And how frightening yeah. they That's look. basically what it is. They're trying to hunt you down, and you're trying to survive the night, I guess, and not let them catch you, which I guess the premise is. Yeah, they're trying to either turn you into one or get parts to not be one. I couldn't really get that part. I didn't go that deep. But either way, you're trying to survive these animatronic things trying to find you in these various scenarios, which is creepy as it is as creepy as it sounds. Like Honestly, I was about to try to like sugarcoat it, but I'm like, no, it really is about as creepy as it sounds. But, it, but that's what I'm saying, though, right? Like when these things happen there's all these other people related to it or in the chain or whatever. And then you're forced with some hard decisions. You know, imagine if you're somebody, like I said, making content for all this or whatever, and your whole livelihood is tied up in it. Like, what do you do then? You know, if you're an employee at some place or hell, I don't know, you could have been on the, the TV staff for say like a Louis CK. Or an example that happened to me, I was applying for a writing job. And I happened to use a quote from Chris Hardwick, who, you know, because he founded Nerds. Yeah. And I mean, that was right as all the stuff was breaking about Chris Hardwick's, you know, alleged sexual assault of his girlfriend. And I couldn't take, you know, it's an email. I couldn't take it back. I've yeah. just used the Chris Hardwick quote in what's basically a job application. Okay, that that probably could have cost you a job right there. It absolutely could have. It's not like I knew about any of that before. That was just as that was that broken. I said after I said this, but you just talk about one to to. And that's another one. The like, internet. That's another dude. Where like I funny guy. I've watched his stand up and like just ah uh, like now his is a bit different because they're they still there's a lot of he said she said and some stuff wasn't legally proven or whatever. So I don't know, you know, but it still makes you call into question a lot of things. Yeah. And it's just like, ah, man, now uh, I don't know. Like he even was a host of a TV show, a game show. Right. And he was and good it, on that. And even if he eventually, if you got some kind of just indisputable legal proof that he's innocent, <laughs> if, if, that, if that were even a thing that could exist, I'm still never using any quotes from him. Yep. You, know, it's, it's, you better not. For writing again. Yeah, you just have to like distance yourself from him, right? So, yeah, all these all these situations are tough, man. Because I I don't really know, and you know, as a community, I don't know what we're gonna do in this situation, right? Like, what does that do for support of Aaron's content of their podcast? Like, I. If we I read the, the current, you know, trend, it looks like Aaron will 
get through this largely unscathed. I'm pretty sure she'll lose a lot of, you know, a, a lot of her black listeners of her podcast and viewers of her content. But yeah, so so I don't beyond know. Beyond that. I mean, I don't know if I think their stuff is hosted on by Cool Stuff Inc. as their their sponsor and promoter. Like I don't know how they feel about it. If that's gonna be a thing. Like I it'd be interesting to see how it plays out, you know, because other than just the social aspects of it, you know, we're also on the business side of it. Yeah. And there, there is, you know, we do have to pay attention to that type of stuff to see like, okay, well, if something were to happen, how should we approach it? How, how would we possibly be affected or not? Or what does that look like? And I mean, there's a lot of things, a lot of unknowns here. And I was more surprised at, like I said, somewhat from the reaction from Aaron, but also from the reaction of the community. So it'd be interesting. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe we reach out and have Aaron on the show to talk about it. I don't know. I think that could uh, be an interesting conversation. Yeah. And not not to attack Aaron in any way, because I'm just you know just to have a real no, conversation. just to, to ask questions as I would with anybody yeah. that was. And I have had to to do that before in my position as a news reporter when somebody well, I talk to the mayor, you know, every week about something. Lo and behold. Somebody says, you know, the mayor has, has has stolen a little money. We still got to have our talk that we talk, talk, have every week, you know. So it's, yep. And just be like, hey, this was in the sorry. news. Do you have yeah. any comments about X, Y, Z? Yeah. And often, you know, that they, they would say no comment because that's how somebody advised them to do. But I at least it was my job to ask the question. And that same you got to at least acknowledge it, right? You can't It'd be yeah. the elephant in the room if you don't say something. I view covering magic and other aspects of gaming the same way. I at least have to ask the question. That's oh, what for we're sure. here for. For sure. So Aaron is welcome to be on the show so we can ask the, the numerous questions that we're going to have and that other people are going to have. Well, all right, Brian. Why don't you tell people where they can find you on social media? I am DL Caesar on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. Our family channel on YouTube is Allen's Ever After. And you can find me just about everywhere at Power Dragon, P O W R D R A G N. And you can catch me streaming on Facebook Gaming and on Twitch, or just check out my YouTube channel where I put something up every single day for now uh, 15, 16 months in a row. So, I mean, it's a hell of a streak. But. As always, wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good night. And please, while people are out here still trying to get their last vaccines and whatnot, you know, wear your mask, wash your hands, be smart, and be safe around gamers. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate under patreon.com slash colorofmagic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base.